Hi there, my name is Andre Dalton. I am on doing a podcast tonight for your mental well-being. And this podcast I'm going to be doing is about a real-life experience that I had with a client who came in about their anxiety. They came to see me for help. How could I help them stop, ease, cease their anxiety? And it was a really interesting conversation I had with them at the, at the beginning. And you might be able to relate to this if you have anxiety yourself. They said to me, you have no idea what it's like, what it's like to be in a sweat with your heart pounding out through your chest. Your head feels like you're going to faint at any moment and there's tons of thoughts going around with it. And it comes on when you least expect it. You have just no idea. And I asked them, why wouldn't I have any idea? And they said to me, well, unless you have experienced anxiety yourself, you can't possibly relate to what I'm going through. Well, the thing is, I did. Just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I'm not human. Doesn't mean that I am immune to things happening. Sure, I have the tools to help get through it, but Things can still happen. Life still throws you curveballs. So to help the client, I was actually able to relate to them about my own experience. I described to the client how I woke in the middle of the night feeling like there was a concrete block in my chest. How my heart ached. There was an actual physical hurt in my heart. And my head was swirling with loads of unhelpful thoughts. They went round and round and round. They're in the, stuck in this loop. Physically, I thought I was dying. I was actually terrified. I do remember thinking, why is it happening? Why? And eventually, when I was able to pull myself upright in the bed, I twigged that even though I went to bed that night totally exhausted because I had a really full-on day, I went to bed with the news that I had heard that something that I had heard was out of my control. I was powerless to do anything to change a situation or to help it or get involved. And that didn't sit well with me or my subconscious mind that night. Because I was so busy, I had heard it. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't do anything. Physically exhausted, I fell into the bed. But that went into my once I heard it, it went straight into my subconscious mind, into my long-term memory. And my long-term memory, my subconscious mind was kindly processing that information for me while I was sleeping. And you know, when I woke, and as I said, I was terrified because I had never experienced anything like it before in my life. That sheer panic, that weight of my chest, the physical, actual hurt of my heart. I didn't know what to do. I was safe in the comfort of my own bed, safe in my own home. It just didn't compute what was going on. And then my imagination took over with my thoughts. In hypnotherapy, we call it future pacing. So your imagination is great when it works nicely. But when it doesn't work nicely, it can bring you to the deepest, darkest recesses of your mind and blow things up out of proportion, making them seem really, really dire. 
And each outcome I was thinking of, not wanting to think of, of it, but just it was coming up naturally, was getting worse and worse and worse. Really, it was like being caught in a very bad movie. Your mind is really good at showing or telling you the worst possible outcomes. It's really good at being negative. Eventually, as I said, when I was able to haul myself up out of the bed, I made my way to the kitchen, concentrating on my breathing. It's the first thing I could think of doing. I brought my awareness back into my breath. I breathe in through the nose for the count of four seconds. I would hold that breath for the count of seven seconds and then exhale my breath through my mouth for the count of eight seconds. And I had to repeat this several times, being very mindful of the counts, very mindful of holding that breath and pushing it down and then releasing it out through my mouth. And this helped distract my mind from my thoughts, quietening it. The thoughts were there, but less so. And the physical manifestation, that physical ache and pain, you know, the thoughts in my head, all of that around the anxiety lessened too. And then I started to flip my own negative thoughts, turning them into positive ones. We call it reframing. One of my favourite mantras to say is, everything always works out for me. Everything always works out for me. Everything always works out for me. People come to the clinic all the time for stress and anxiety. And you know what? They often feel like they're the only ones in their life, in their group of uh, family, friends, work colleagues who are experiencing an overload of stress or anxiety. Now, most certainly in their own way, stress and anxiety is completely unique to them because they may be triggered by a person, a place, a situation in their environment, home, an event or work. But I do explain to them, I sit down and have that chat to them, that some people, you know, you might think you're the only one in the world who is suffering this right now, now, but realistically you're not. A lot of people, they don't like to talk about, you know, their mental health openly. They don't like to say how stressed they are or they don't like to talk about their uh, mental health, as I said, or their anxiety. Very many people mask it. You might think somebody has everything together in their life, but really when they're behind their own closed door, they don't have it together. They just wear a mask every day and they have that pretense that I am together or inside they're not. That night that that client came, we did start a course of hypnosis for them. I cleaned up and reframed past events and people, situations and places that caused their anxiety. We found the root cause of it. They left a lot happier than before when they came. They left knowing that they weren't the only person in the world that does suffer from anxiety. And my own anxiety that night went in the kitchen as I worked on myself. No one is immune. We're all human, we all have our own triggers, our own limits, and we all try to do our best. But just know that there is help out there for you. Reach out and ask somebody. And another great thing to do is actually to talk about it. You don't have to feel alone, you don't have to feel like you're the only one, because you're not. And you know, people are great, they always want to help. 
And I'm certainly here to answer any questions that this might resonate with you or to start a conversation. And let's have that conversation. Let's get this moving and make it out in the open for people to realise that there are complementary therapies out there. There are people to, to help. And that their anxiety doesn't have to be a lifelong prison that they keep themselves trapped in. Thank you so much for listening. Hi there, my name is Andre Dalton. I am on doing a podcast tonight for your mental well-being. And this podcast I'm going to be doing is about a real-life experience that I had with a client who came in about their anxiety. They came to see me for help. How could I help them stop, ease, cease their anxiety? And it was a really interesting conversation I had with them at the, at the beginning. And you might be able to relate to this if you have anxiety yourself. They said to me, you have no idea what it's like, what it's like to be in a sweat with your heart pounding out through your chest. Your head feels like you're going to faint at any moment and there's tons of thoughts going around with it. And it comes on when you least expect it. You have just no idea. And I asked them, why wouldn't I have any idea? And they said to me, well, unless you have experienced anxiety yourself, you can't possibly relate to what I'm going through. Well, the thing is, I did. Just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I'm not human. Doesn't mean that I am immune to things happening. Sure, I have the tools to help get through it, but things can still happen. Life still throws you curveballs. So to help the client, I was actually able to relate to them about my own experience. I described to the client how I woke in the middle of the night feeling like there was a concrete block in my chest. How my heart ached. There was an actual physical hurt in my heart. And my head was swirling with loads of unhelpful thoughts. They went round and round and round. They were in the, stuck in this loop. Physically, I thought I was dying. I was actually terrified. I do remember thinking, why is it happening? Why? And eventually, when I was able to pull myself upright in the bed, I twigged that even though I went to bed that night totally exhausted because I had a really full-on day, I went to bed with the news that I had heard that something that I had heard was out of my control. I was powerless to do anything to change a situation or to help it or get involved. And that didn't sit well with me or my subconscious mind that night because I was so busy, I had heard it. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I can't do anything. Physically exhausted, I fell into the bed, but that went into my, once I heard it, it went straight into my subconscious mind into my long-term memory and my long-term memory my subconscious mind was kindly processing that information for me while I was sleeping and you know when I woke and as I said I was terrified because I had never experienced anything like it before in my life that sheer panic that weight of my chest the physical actual hurt of my heart I didn't know what to do 
I was safe in the comfort of my own bed, safe in my own home. It just didn't compute what was going on. And then my imagination took over with my thoughts. In hypnotherapy, we call it future pacing. So your imagination is great when it works nicely, but when it doesn't work nicely, it can bring you to the deepest, darkest recesses of your mind and blow things up out of proportion, making them seem really, really dire. And each outcome I was thinking of, not wanting to think of, of it, but just it was coming up naturally, was getting worse and worse and worse. Really, it was like being caught in a very bad movie. Your mind is really good at showing or telling you the worst possible outcomes. It's really good at being negative. Eventually, as I said, when I was able to haul myself up out of the bed, I made my way to the kitchen, concentrating on my breathing. It's the first thing I could think of doing. I brought my awareness back into my breath. I breathe in through the nose for the count of four seconds. I would hold that breath for the count of seven seconds and then exhale my breath through my mouth for the count of eight seconds. And I had to repeat this several times, being very mindful of the counts, very mindful of holding that breath and pushing it down and then releasing it out through my mouth. And this helped distract my mind from my thoughts, quietening it. The thoughts were there, but less so in the physical man manifestation, that physical ache and pain, you know, the thoughts in my head, all of that around the anxiety lessened too. And then I started to flip my own negative thoughts, turning them into positive ones. We call it reframing. One of my favourite mantras to say is, everything always works out for me. Everything always works out for me. Everything always works out for me. People come to the clinic all the time for stress and anxiety. And you know what, they often feel like they're the only ones in their life, in their group of uh, family, friends, work colleagues who are experiencing an overload of stress or anxiety. Now, most certainly in their own way, stress and anxiety is completely unique to them because they may be triggered by a person, a place, a situation in their environment, home, an event or work. But I do explain to them, I sit down and have that chat to them, that some people, you know, you might think you're the only one in the world who is suffering this right, right now, but realistically you're not. A lot of people, they don't like to talk about, you know, their mental health openly. They don't like to say how stressed they are, or they don't like to talk about their me uh, mental health, as I said, or their anxiety. Very many people mask it. You might think somebody has everything together in their life, but really when they're behind their own closed door, they don't have it together. They just wear a mask every day and they have that pretense that I am together or inside they're not. That night that that client came, we did start a course of hypnosis for them. I cleaned up and reframed past events and people, situations and places that caused their anxiety. We found the root cause of it. They left a lot happier than before when they came. They left knowing that they weren't the only person in the world that does suffer from anxiety. And my own anxiety that night went in the kitchen 
as I worked on myself. No one is immune. We're all human, we all have our own triggers, our own limits, and we all try to do our best. But just know that there is help out there for you. Reach out and ask somebody. And another great thing to do is actually to talk about it. You don't have to feel alone. You don't have to feel like you're the only one because you're not. And you know, people are great. They always want to help. And I'm certainly here to answer any questions that this might resonate with you or to start a conversation. And let's have that conversation. Let's get this moving and make it out in the open for people to realise that there are complementary therapies out there. There are people to, to help. And that their anxiety doesn't have to be a lifelong prison that they keep themselves trapped in. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, and I just want to thank you in advance for taking time to tune in today and to listen to this podcast. I really value taking time out of your day to listen. For those of you who don't know, my name is Andre Dalton and I'm a clinical hypnotherapist. I help people with their mental and emotional well-being to get them from a place that's not so good in their life to feeling really so much better in their life that they can live their life to the full. So today I want to talk about the daisy and resilience. Now the daisy, I hear you say, who would have thought such a small delicate flower would be a symbol of resilience. For some people, when they think of the word resilience, they think of strength. They think of then, if you're looking, we're talking about nature, you're talking about uh, quite possibly a, an oak tree. An oak tree stands tall, magnificent, is strong. It's been there for a very long time, perhaps planted many decades ago. And for me, it is a symbol of resilience too, in a way, because our landscape has changed so much when you think about when that mighty oak was a small acorn and it started to grow. We as human beings have changed over those decades. The whole world has changed and indeed it has changed greatly in these times today, as of this moment when I'm making this podcast. So, The oak tree, as I said, is a symbol of strength because it has a huge, big trunk. You might be able to reach around the whole circumference of it, even with two or three people stretching out their arms to tip each other's fingertips. And when you look down at the roots, you might see some of the roots over the ground, stretching out far and wide on the ground before they go down deep to root that tree, to give it that support so that it can grow strong. And then when you look up, you might see a canopy of all of those branches forming. They might be barren, it could be winter time, or they might be bountiful, full of leaves in the summer. And it gives strength and it gives nourishment with the acorns to the squirrels. It can help, you know, the birds build their nests in it. So it is a great symbol of strength. But resilience, you need strength as well in it. So when you think about it, I'm just getting back to the daisies now, why I wrote this, why I'm talking about this daisy and the symbol of resilience. When you think about it, daisies, they just crop up time and time again in your garden. Even when you've got out and you've mowed down that grass to have a beautiful 
fresh, clean, green lawn, free of all of those daisies. It doesn't take very long for them to spring up quickly again. And over time, you know, when they've sprung up, they open up those beautiful bright white petals and they have a fabulous, colourful, beautiful central yellow disc of stamen. They're in your face. They grow in both fertile soil and very barren ground. In fact, I have seen them grow in the middle of nowhere, out of the crack of a road or on a pathway where there's no greenery around, where you're talking that there's no, where did that daisy come from? How did it even get there in the first place? Because there doesn't seem to be any soil where they're growing out of. It's just literally a sliver of a crack in a pavement. So they are very, very resilient. Now the stem, if we look at the, take the parts of the daisy, the stem, it can be really small and stocky or it can be long and gangly. If it's small and stocky, usually there's plenty of nourishment around. It doesn't have to fight for anything. But if it's long and gangly, it's had to fight for something. It's had to fight and stretch and grow to get more water, to get more sunshine, to get more nourishment that it had been lacking. And in a storm, that stem is so very flexible and bends, it's really important for the daisy. Daisies can withstand all that Mother Nature has to throw at them, the good and the bad. And when Mother Nature unleashes the mightiest of storms and it's over, the daisy during that storm will have closed its petals really, really tightly to protect itself. And that stem that we've spoken about will have bent will have moved will have gone with all of those winds and the rain and it'll have gone with the flow basically of the storm all to protect itself and when that storm is over that daisy will open up their beautiful white petals and shine their yellow disc to the world they usually do bring a smile to people's faces unless you really are into gardening and you really love your green lawn and you know, daisies aren't shy about showing themselves off to the world at all. And you're thinking, now, why is she talking about daisies? What has that got to do with hypnotherapy or helping a person at all? Well, the simple answer is that her mind thinks of metaphors, symbols and colours as well. For some, the daisy will be a symbol of resilience. They have this ability to keep on going. It also has other meanings too for other people which can be relayed to the client during the session or after the session to give them a different or a better perspective on things that are happening in their lives at that moment in time or have come up and cropped up in the past. It can be like it's such a light bulb moment for them. It's really so helpful for them. And the daisy is representative of hope and renewal. As young children, we play with them. You might have even played with them yourselves, making daisy chains making daisy chains for necklaces, crowns and bracelets. And this is a symbol of joy, creativity and having fun. It's a time of innocence going back to your childhood and your youth when you were carefree. Now the first signs of a daisy usually herald springtime is coming or has arrived. So it's, it's a new thing going to happen into your life. It's for renewal. And for others, depending on the session, it can mean fertility birth, rebirth and renewal. It's personal to each individual in a session if a daisy happens to crop up. 
Resilience has your, to do with your bounce back ability. No matter how many times you've been knocked or mowed down in the Daisy's case, it's you having the strength to get up again. That strength that we mentioned of the oak tree. But that strength to get up again and go for what you want. There's an emotional inner strength that builds your resilience each and every time to keep on going for it. Resilience is where we're stretched beyond our, our normal comfort zones in life. And when we are stretched out of our comfort zones in life, this is where we learn and where we go and where most oftentimes we are at our best because our resilience kicks in. You might even get a huge sense of pride and accomplishment when you have achieved something because you didn't give up on it the first time round. The first hurdle, you didn't fall. You kept on going because you knew you wanted to get something, whatever it is. And it's rather like when you were a baby learning to walk. You just kept on trying and trying until eventually you got there. You went from lying down, moving your arms and legs in a crib. Then... When you were stretching and growing, you learned how to crawl. Or if you skipped crawling because you just couldn't wait, you went straight to walking. You didn't give up. No matter how many times you fell down, you still got up. You still tried to learn how to crawl, to learn how to walk upright. Sure, you might have been encouraged by others. There might be external factors such as your parents or your guardian encouraging you all the time to keep you up there and you probably got a great big clap when you did it. They were delighted for you and you got that sense of accomplishment in yourself even though you were so, so small. You had that determination to keep on going. You were stretched out of your comfort zone and you built resilience. Today, in these most extraordinary times in our history, we are being stretched in a very different way. We are being asked to stay at home if we're not essential key workers. We're asked to stay inside our homes to protect those who are essential key workers to keep our hospital, shops and services going. And in doing so, you're building resilience in a completely different way. And you should be so very proud of yourself because for a lot of us, we need to be outside. We're social creatures. We need to be interacting with others. But we are so resilient. And in this digital age that I mentioned earlier, we have found new ways to communicate, to keep in touch, to reach out to others. So you don't have to feel as isolated. There are many different platforms that you can use from the telephone if you just want to talk to somebody or you can do face to face using your laptop, your iPad, your phone or whatever it is, whatever type of tablet you have. We are resilient. We're finding ways around it in these extraordinary times. You're building resilience. And you know what? This time is going to pass. It will pass. Just as I said, As the day follows night and the night follows day, it will pass. And as it will pass, you'll be able to recant to those who will listen to you later on in life and tell them how you helped out too. How, like the days you had to abend and adapt to the situation that you found yourself in. Building resilience and shining your light indoors for a clear way for all of us to have.
And I thank each and every one of you who are doing that and each and every one of these essential key workers who are keeping our country and indeed the world going every single day. And I thank you for taking time out to listen to this and I hope I found you found it useful. And I wonder what you think your resilience has been in the past. How did you get through things? How do you find yourself building resilience now? I'd love to hear from you. And if you do, you can drop me a line. You can PM me, DM me or send me an email. You have the address. And we can talk about it, raise awareness and get together and communicate on a larger scale in a community. Thank you very much. Bye bye.